Memphis, welcome to the weekend. Welcome to Friday. Welcome to Memphis Flyer Radio. I am your host, Toby Sells, news editor over there at the Memphis Flyer. That's your alternative news weekly based right here in good old Memphis, Tennessee, USA. Happy to be here on the airwaves of WYXR, your crosstown radio, 91.7 FM, and we are available anywhere in the world that you get your podcasts. Here's this week's installment of How to Speak Midtowner, the part of the show where we help you to learn how to speak Midtowner. Oh my God, is that Chick-fil-A? Gross. This has been this week's installment of How to Speak Midtowner. You're welcome. It cooled off in town this past week, and it sure was nice to go outside, have a cup of coffee on the front porch without needing to come inside and immediately take a bath. The National Weather Service in Memphis has described the weather as pleasant, and good sleeping weather in the evenings. Nice to know we can still have a few nice things. That said, because COVID just continues to be awful, y'all, I spent last week with my head back in the COVID beat, and I kind of started covering other things around May when it looked like the worst of it was over. But as we know, Delta roared to life, and we've seen record numbers of just about everything related to COVID since about the end of July. I'll have some excerpts from my COVID cover story a little bit later on in the show. But our editor, Jesse Davis, will talk slasher films and a brand new horror novel about slasher films called My Heart is a Chainsaw. Stay tuned for that. Bruce Van Weingarten talks COVID deniers, Monty Python, and Donald Trump in a segment from his at-large column. We'll have the news and the member net, of course, and we'll slice off some choice cuts from our events calendar, the finest calendar in all of Memphiana, to help you get your weekend together. All right, that'll do it, but let me check the nameplate from our shiny trophy for best podcast from a Memphis Alt-Weekly. Yep, that's everything. Okay, here we go. Going to start the show this week just like we do every single week. This week with a rainbow twinged look down the Memernet. That's Memphis on the internet. The Ida Rainbow images were everywhere. So many people posted the rainbow brought by Hurricane Ida's near miss last week. But Memphis AF said it best on Instagram. Did y'all catch that beautiful A rainbow yesterday? Pick up the Memphis Flyer for unedited versions of all that. Marsha, Marsha. Senator Marsha Blackburn wished us all a happy 901 day on Facebook uh, the other week, and Memphis showed out in the comments section. You're about as popular here as reheated vinegar-based barbecue at a restaurant owned by John Calipari, wrote Alan Creasy, and they're wishing you a very happy hashtag resign please, wrote J.P. Paul. Harrison Lampley wrote, keep our name out your mouth. Fixed it in an Instagram post by Unapologetically Memphis. They took the Good, Mor- the Good Morning America logo and changed it, corrected it, to say, Good morning, Maine. And just JPK tweets, Twitter Memernet megastar John Paul Keith. If you're out there, John Paul Keith, thank you so much for all that you do, the hard work you do for the Memernet. He wrote, Just moved into our new place. I haven't been this giddy since Trump got COVID. Having a look at the week that was... Abortion access, the abortion ban that went into effect in Texas last week, 
is a part of a national uh, agenda to end abortion access in the country, according to the head of Planned Parenthood of Tennessee and North Mississippi. People in Tennessee have got to watch what's happening in Texas really closely because Governor Bill Lee and the General Assembly could very easily uh, replicate the bill here, said President and CEO Ashley Caulfield. Short-staffed. Bus riders are waiting longer for buses or waiting for a bus that never arrives due to a staffing shortage at the Memphis Area Transit Authority, or MATA. MATA's goal for on-time performance, or how often buses arrived in a seven-minute window of their scheduled time, is 76%. Since May, it's been about 63%. MATA CEO Gary Rosenfeld said the number is totally unacceptable. MATA has about 200 fixed-route bus operators and needs about 30 more just to have enough manpower to provide reliable daily services. There's also a shortage of mechanics who are needed to regularly inspect the buses every 8 to 10 days. Without a full complement of mechanics, the inspections back up and those buses can't run. Mask opt-out order blocked. On Friday, September 3rd, Federal Judge Cheryl Littman issued a temporary restraining order against Tennessee Governor Bill Lee's executive order, which allows parents to opt their children out of school mask mandates, regardless of school district policy. Parents of two local children with disabilities filed the lawsuit, and in the wake of a hearing, the federal judge issued the temporary order blocking Lee's order. COVID-19 and jail. U.S. District Judge Cheryl Lippman entered an order last week denying a motion from the Shelby County Sheriff's Office to terminate a consent decree of last June mandating improved access to COVID-19 prevention for prisoners in the Shelby County Jail. The consent order was the result of litigation on inmates' behalf by the American Civil Liberties Union of Tennessee. In seeking termination of the decree, the motion from Sheriff Floyd Bonner had claimed that the department had offered all inmates access to a vaccine and provided adequate educational materials and incentives to take the vaccine. Littman rejected this argument, finding that contrary to the assertions of head jailer Kirk Fields, it was not clear that all detainees had indeed been offered a vaccine. The judge found further that it was even less clear that all inmates had received the educational materials the sheriff's department contended had gone out to each and every one of them. Feds probe state the U.S. Department of Education's Office for Civil Rights is investigating Tennessee along with four other states to determine whether statewide prohibitions on universal indoor masking discriminates against students with disabilities. The investigation will explore if Tennessee's policy that allows parents to opt out of school mask mandates prevents students with disabilities who have a higher risk of severe illness, quote, from safely returning to in-person education. Susan Goldberg with the uh, Office of Civil Rights is concerned that this policy may be preventing schools from meeting their legal obligations not to discriminate based on disability and to provide equal educational opportunity. Here's a story from our Gaydar section, anti-LGBTQ suit. Tennessee's top attorney believes in the sanctity of school sports and work bathrooms more than, quote, every person should be treated with respect and dignity and should be able to live without fear no matter who they are or whom they love. Tennessee Attorney General Herbert Slatery led a 20-state coalition in a lawsuit this past week that hopes to stop an anti-discrimination order from President Joe Biden. The order was issued in January and prevents discrimination based on gender identity or sexual orientation. 
The order reads, children should be able to learn without worrying about whether they will be denied access to the restroom, the locker room, or school sports. Adults should be able to earn a living and pursue, pursue a vocation knowing that they will not be fired, demoted, or mistreated because of whom they go home to or because how they dress does not conform to sex-based stereotypes. But Slatery says no. He says the guidance purports to resolve highly controversial and localized issues such as whether schools must allow biological males to compete on girls' sports teams, whether employers and schools may maintain sex-separated showers and locker rooms, and whether individuals may be compelled to use another person's preferred pronouns. Slater claims Biden's orders threatens women's sports and students' and employee privacy. To get there legally, Slater and his coalition, including Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, and more, claim only Congress, not the president, can change these sensitive issues of enormous importance. These agencies simply do not have that authority, Slatery said, but that has not stopped them from trying. All of this, together with the threat of withholding educational funding in the midst of a pandemic, warrants this lawsuit. Government watchdog group Accountable U.S. said last week that anti-LGBTQ rules hurt people, especially kids, and they hurt business. Kyle Herring, the president of the group, said, Unfortunately, it seems that legalizing discrimination is so important to Attorney General Slatery that for him, it outweighs the risk to his constituents and Tennessee's economy. Students deserve to learn in a safe environment where their identities are respected, not used as props in a conservative culture war. Jesse Davis is our editor over here at the Memphis Flyer. This week, Jesse put his his, his book reviewer hat back on and wrote about this really fun book sounds like a fun book called my heart is a chainsaw it's about uh, slasher films in a novel which to me just sounds like a heck of a lot of fun but i'm, I'm a halloween guy jesse what'd you think of the book man i loved it the book is by stephen graham jones it was just released last week i like genre fiction i've got to say so you know horror science fiction detective stories. I mean, I, I like all that stuff. So I, I, I am the target demographic. If you also like slasher films, horror movies, and like to read, then this is probably great for you. But, but you know, with that note, if you, if you have never enjoyed a horror movie, then this is maybe not the book for you. <laughs> but it, it's great. It follows uh, Jade Daniels, who is sort of the, the town weirdo She's obsessed with slasher films, and she lives in a, a very small town in Prufrock, Idaho, and it's like rapidly gentrifying, and the the demographics of the, the town are changing, and sh what she sees as a slasher cycle begins, and she is kind of the, the Cassandra of the story because she is – no one trusts her. Right. Because she's always getting trouble in school and all that. So it's her senior year of high school, of course. You know, there are certain <laughs> slasher rules. And so anyway, no one trusts her. And she's the one who says, you know, all of these seemingly unconnected disasters that are happening in town are connected. And they're all going to culminate at the the, the town has a tradition. For, they're one of those places that has, they like get on the lake and watch Jaws on 4th oh, of July. yeah. 
Yeah. And she's like, that's it. It's all going to happen there. And it's, it's a really great book. It's, it's pretty fast paced. And I'm just, I'm a fan of Stephen Graham Jones work. He wrote a a book. Well, he published a, a book and a novella last year and they just won all the awards. They both won Shirley Jackson awards. The book, the only good Indians won. I mean, it got a ton of awards. Yeah. And I think he's, he's a phenomenal writer and he sort of straddles that divide between really literary fiction and, and also very propulsive plot driven genre fiction. And I think he mixes the two of them really well. I agree. I read Only Good Indians and uh, never read the guy before, and it was it was such a fun read, a scary read. He he's like actually scary. It's really really fun. So go out and check out the book. It's called My Heart Is a Chainsaw by Stephen Graham Jones. If you don't read that, read Jesse's review of it to get a feel of what this thing is. And I guarantee, if you love Halloween, you love slasher movies, horror films at all, you're going to go pick it up. So Jesse, thanks for reading this fun thing and writing this fun uh, this fun book column. Oh, yeah, it was it was a nice break for me to get to write something a little less serious. So uh, I enjoyed it. Thanks, Toby. Hey, thanks, Jesse. See you, man. read for y'all uh, some excerpts from the cover story I did this week. It's called A Preventable Pandemic. COVID blazes through Memphis, but experts can maybe see the end, the real one this time. COVID's second verse is same as the first in many ways. It's come with familiar things like mandatory face masks, social distancing, and an unshakable worry about what comes next. But we now know that the second verse, the Delta variant, is far more infectious Faster, meaner, catching on with a younger audience, and maybe the most frustrating part is it's mostly preventable. Experts here say late summer's record-setting rise in cases is a surge of the unvaccinated. Healthcare leaders say 99% of COVID patients they see now are unvaccinated. And that's a stat, not hyperbole. That figure is, of course, likely heavy on those now broadly called anti-vaxxers, right-wingers who put personal freedom before public health. Many, too, are otherwise healthy people in their 20s and 30s whose reluctance to get a vaccine remains a mystery to many health officials. But a huge chunk of Shelby County's population are unvaccinated not by choice. No vaccine is yet approved for children under 12. Pediatric COVID cases comprise nearly 40% of the county's active cases late last week. The kids are getting sick. There's no medicine to protect them and we're sending them to school with hundreds just like them. Thanks to the more contagious Delta variant and vaccine hesitancy, the COVID situation in Shelby County last week was as dire as it's ever been before. Historic high rates of new cases, hospitalization, and test positivity rates make that dire situation an unfortunate reality. Last Thursday, Doug McGowan, the city's chief operating officer, reported two grim milestones. More people were being treated in Shelby County hospitals at one time, there were 721 of them, than in any other previous time in the 18-month pandemic. Area intensive care units, ICUs, were treating 203 patients and 518 people were in acute care because of COVID. Across the county, 163 people were intubated, setting another COVID record here. Through the difficult data, however, rises a sort of delicate optimism. Some numbers started to soften last week, officials said, but predictions on the figures came laden with plentiful, anxious caveats 
from experts bitten by Delta's global surprise. New case rates blasted past records Memphians thought terrifying in January. The week after Christmas, nearly 18% of COVID tests were coming back positive. Consider that the past three weeks, the figure has hovered around 21%. But it has hovered, and some officials hope that the spread may have stabilized. Officials at Baptist Memorial Hospital said COVID cases there crested at 172 this past winter. Weeks ago, the hospital had 10 COVID patients. But Delta cases there stair-stepped and hit 152 recently. That number has since stabilized, too. The figure encourages some at Baptist who say that if the number holds, they may have receded from the brink of a dire logistical situation. But optimism is indeed delicate and truly tempered with anxious caveats. I am flat through underestimating this pandemic, said Dr. Stephen Threlkeld, an infectious disease expert, last week at a press conference. So you'll not get me saying it's going to be fine anymore. Shelby County Mayor Lee Harris saw the hospital situation firsthand last week on a tour of Baptist Memphis. Every room in the ICU was full, and it seemed, quote, every patient was in a very, very serious situation, he said. I was struck by the idea that not everyone in this community that will be struck with COVID will be safe because there's not enough experts to go around and not enough technology to go around. The age range of hospitalized adults with COVID is now largely between 20 and 40 years old, and this is not normal, according to Shelby County Health Department Director Dr. Michelle Taylor. I am personally ill when I think about the number of young people, or people of any age, but particularly those in their 20s and 40s with little children being treated in the hospital for COVID, said Dr. John Craig, a thoracic surgeon with Baptist Medical Group. It is sad beyond description to see this go through my community. It's a terrible thing. Dr. Jeff Wright, the medical director for the hospital's critical care program, said the average alpha variant ICU patient was around 60 to 70 years old. The average age of death in ICU patients now is 30, and these deaths average once a day. These were not 35-year-olds that had a lot of medical problems, Wright said. They all had jobs and families. It was tragic. Even with all the bad news, Richard Webby thinks we're still halfway through the pandemic, or maybe 75% of the way. Not only does he have an infectious disease lab at St. Jude with his name on the door, that's the Webby Lab, he's also the director of the World Health Organization's Collaborating Center for Studies on the uh, Ecology of Influenza in Animals and Birds. There's no way of knowing, right, Webby said. I think this is as bad as this virus is going to get in terms of speed of replication, how potentially transmissible the virus could get. I'd like to think that once we do get through this and get more population immunity, both through natural infection, unfortunately, and through vaccines, we'll get back down again and maybe we'll stay a little bit lower and get through it. Webby thinks COVID will likely settle into a winter disease somewhere between the flu and the cold. Threlkeld agreed, noting that four other coronaviruses, which may have started as pandemics hundreds of years ago, circulate as colds these days. What we hope is that by getting everyone vaccinated, it will drive this disease into becoming something like the current coronaviruses that cause the common cold, Threlkeld said. They infect many people and their kids, and kids do well compared to adults with those types of infections. So they have some immunity, but it's not perfect. They'll get it again later, but it won't be as severe. Then, by the time you get it multiple times as an adult, you just don't get very sick from it at all. 
In the shorter term, Threlkeld said case counts could rise again in the winter as everyone heads indoors, just as the numbers spiked last year. But he said we might see this thing really taper off when we look at the springtime. The health department's latest mask mandate said restrictions may be loosened if case counts fall or if 700,000 people in the county get vaccinated. As of last Friday, we were nearly 67% to the goal of 700,000. Average daily vaccinations last week were 1,854. So if that rate continues, it would take about 125 days or about four months to vaccinate the remaining people to get to 700,000. Keep it up and Shelby County might have a major reason to toast New Year's Eve. Until then, Dr. Aditya, until then, Dr. Aditya Gar, director of St. Jude's Clinical Research on Infectious Diseases, knows what works and knows how you feel. He says, I know you're tired of hearing the same thing over and over about wearing your mask, staying at home, and not socializing. A part of that is that the people who have been doing this intensely are the ones who continue to do it intensely, although they are tired of it. But the people who never had the appetite for it still don't have an appetite for it. McGowan, the city's COO, is likely tired of talking about COVID-2. He's been directing much of the area's response to the pandemic and giving regular updates on the situation. Last week, he asked for help. He said, we're asking that everybody, that you just do the right thing. We understand this has been a rough 18 months for everyone in our nation, but it is not the job of the city government or the county government or the health department to navigate this alone. Nor is it the responsibility of the hospitals to navigate this alone and be just the net receiver of those who are very sick. It is individual by individual, person by person, who complies with common sense and doing the right thing that will get us through this pandemic. Garden writes our at-large column for us out there, and he has been at large. I mean, you've been traveling. You went to Arkansas for a column. I know you went to Waverly and wrote about the flood destruction up there. But this week, you wrote about well, you wrote about these COVID folks, these kind of anti-vaxer, COVID non-believers, and unfortunately, a lot of these folks are getting really sick, and some of them are dying. Yeah, it, it's true. I, I And I, I will say in, in terms of going out and reporting, it seems like this column is turning into going out and reporting every couple of weeks. And then also they just coming back and going, I'm just going to rant. This week is one of those rants. And I was I saw a piece where two conservative radio hosts in Florida had died, Mark Bernier and mm-hmm. Dick Farrell. And all, and then Bill Valentine, of course, in, of Nashville, had also all three disparaging the vaccine, masks, distancing, trashing the CDC, and telling their listeners not to fear it. They're saying that the government's acting like Nazis, get and saying get the shot. I mean, these are the kinds of things I quoted, and of course, they unfortunately, you know, paid the price, the ultimate price for their ideology. And died. So I started working on that, and and I'm noticing every day there's this this. Uh, there's somebody, an anti-mask leader in Texas or a, right. you know, a politician in Missouri, a virulent anti, anti-vaccine person dying. So I wrote about that. It's, it's really tough. And I mean, this stuff, these kinds of folks, they're either their ailment or their death. I mean, it's coming up 
two or three times a week now. And, and I by no means celebrate that at all. And a lot of these folks, you know, right there at the end or right after they get better, they do a 180 on this thing. I've noticed a lot. Uh, Phil Valentine, they, they come out and they tweet, they say, Hey, you know, this stuff's real. I'm sorry, you know, go get the shot. So it, it's, it's insane to, to kind of see these turnarounds. You got some other folks though. I mean, Joe Rogan, who you mentioned in the column, he has said, you know, basically if you're young, you're healthy, you probably don't need this shot. But then he went and uh, did an event in Florida, <clears throat> got COVID. And uh, I can't remember if he got vaccinated or not, but I know he was taking ivermectin yeah. and, and got better really, really quickly as to say like, Hey, see, you know, I, I did this thing and it wasn't that bad. And you mentioned in here also Kid Rock went and played Sturgis and then he can't, <laughs> he can't go back on the road because all the band got. Yeah. And I, there's another question that comes up because that how long, how old do you have to be before you can stop calling yourself kid? Because I think to me that dude is probably <laughs> 60 years old. Grandpa six. Rock. Geezer rock. Anyway, I, I'm off the path up there, but yeah. And I went on to talk about, I think what's happening is that this, you know, there's a, like you say, there's, there's a tendency to want to have a little schadenfreude and say, well, tough shit. I can't really, I have no more F to give about you and, yeah. and your stupidity. But then there, you think about the kids out in rural Tennessee, out in Collierville, out anywhere where, where parents are saying, following this ideology and not allowing them to mask up or get vaccinated. They're, those are the the real victims of all this. I think you're right. And, you know, this week for the flyer, I wrote about COVID, yes, which I, I, I stopped writing about COVID some time ago, maybe back in May. And then now that Delta is back, I find myself, you know, right back into the maw of that beast, which is unfortunate also. But one of the doctors, Stephen Threlkeld, who's an infectious disease expert in Memphis, he was at this press conference uh, last week and was saying, uh, that he was standing outside the room of one of his colleagues who was dying from COVID. He was standing out there with a the family in the hallway and said that he wished that he could just, uh, they all wished that they could bottle up, excuse me, the, uh, you know, the, the pain and regret that they were feeling mm -hmm. in that. And so other folks can have a taste of what this is like before they decide to either not get vaccinated or not wear a mask, you know, making right. these decisions that ultimately could lead to somebody's death. And he said that was, you know, kind of the medicine that he wished uh, that he had in that moment yeah. so that everybody, you don't have to go through, you know, an ICU treatment uh, or, or something like that to, to come back yeah. and say, you know what, actually, this thing's a good thing. We've got a vaccine. Yeah, it's it's amazing where we've gotten to. And, and I, I guess I was so... Just I couldn't come up with an analogy, so I ended up seeing a clip on YouTube of the, the uh, fight in Monty Python and the Holy Grail between King Arthur and the Black Knight, yep. in which scene where the Black Knight says, you shall not pass, and the king pulls his sword out and they go after it, and you know he basically loses every, the Black Knight loses every limb, arms and legs, and is on the ground as a stump saying, the Black Knight will never lose. And that, I think, in, in some cases, is where we are with these folks who are denying the vax. So it doesn't matter how many die. It just, you know. Right. They, they, they deny it to the end. And, and we've not talked since it came out. This was two or three weeks ago. Donald Trump former president of the United States. I don't know if you remember him. He was at an event, a big rally in Alabama and told folks to get the vaccine and he was booed. What do you think about it? I think that that shows how you reap what you sow. And then when you, you throw doubts about the efficacy of a vaccine or how much it's needed or how serious the disease is, which he did for months and months and months before finally uh, getting it himself and then getting 
all the virus treatments known to man and getting the vaccine after that. Right. This 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 is this strain of sort of know nothing ideology is is deep in America and it's 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 going to be tough to root it out. And they're not all going to die, but a lot of them are. Absolutely. Well, Bruce, thank you so much for for bringing this back up and uh, uh, sharing your thoughts with us today. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you, Toby. fresh copy of the paper here turn back to our calendar section and uh, see if we can't help you get your weekend together southern heritage classic cultural celebrations this uh, started thursday runs through saturday it's the tickets are either free or up to 23 dollars you can enjoy events leading up to the game on saturday when jackson state university squares off with tennessee state university Lil Buck, Real Swan, a special screening in conjunction with the exhibition Chocolate Cities that explores and examines blackness and intersections with the first black neighborhood, Orange Mound. This is at the Tone Gallery, 2234 Lamar. This is tonight at 7 p.m. It's free with an RSVP. Trip and Comedy Show. This features DC Young Fly, Emmanuel Hudson, Chico Bean, Darren Brandt, and Justin Whitehead. This is at the Cannon Center for Performing Arts. This is tonight, 7, uh, 7 p.m. Tickets are $55. Mad Tea Party. Celebrate your unbirthday featuring drag performers, tunes from DJs, door prizes, and costume prizes. This is at Black Lodge, 405 Cleveland. This is tonight, 8 p.m. Tickets are $10. Super Chevy Show. The largest car show in the Mid-South featuring drag racing, car and truck shows, a swap meet and more. This is at uh, the Memphis International Raceway up there at uh, Millington 5500 Victory. This is tonight and tomorrow. Uh, runs all weekend long. Tickets are $20 to $65. And while you're up in Millington, hit up the International Goat Days Festival. It features pancake breakfast, live music, craft vendors, car show, Antique Tractor Show, Hot Air Balloon Rides, and a Barbecue Contest. This is at the, the Millington Gym at 4885 Bill Knight. That's in Millington. This is tomorrow. Starts at 7 a.m. Tickets are $5. Orange Mound Love and Wellness Fair. Uh, informative talks, health screenings, games, food, vendors, and music, plus $1,500 in gift card giveaways. This is at the Orange Mound Tower. That's 2205 Lamar. Saturday starts at 11. It is free. May the Schwartz be with you, a sci-fi comedy time warp, space-bound satire, and alien invasion antics featuring Spaceballs, Galaxy Quest, Mars Attacks, and Critters. This is the Malco Summer Ford Drive-In, 5310 Summer. This is a Saturday night, 7.30 p.m. It's $25 per car. And it's the 35th anniversary of the movie Labyrinth. Uh, this is at Malco Paradiso out on Mendenhall. This is Sunday at 3 p.m. and Wednesday next week at 7 p.m. Tickets are $15. Central Gardens Virtual Home Tour Detour, a self-guided tour featuring a blend of old and new. You can download a map at centralgardens.org. This starts Sunday at, uh, and continues through September 30th. This is absolutely free. Tennessee Shakespeare presents uh, King Henry VI, The Wars of the Roses. One performance is going to be Tuesday at Wiseacre Brewery, the OG location out on Broad, and then again on Wednesday at Overton Square. Go to tnshakespeare.org for more information. Stephen Hofstetter plays Lafayette's Music Room. The popular YouTube comic brings the laughs to Memphis. Of course, this is Lafayette's on Madison. This is Sunday, 7 p.m. Tickets are $25. Y'all go out, have some fun, and be safe this weekend. All right, 
that's going to do it for my half of Memphis Flyer Radio, the talk half of the show. Got to stick around, though, for the second half of the show, the better half of the show, with our music editor, Alex Green, who's going to spin you some records, tell you some tales, and he's going to sound dang good doing it, too. So thank you all so much for hanging out with me. We'll talk right back here next Friday. In the meantime, Alex, take it away. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.